Hi everybody, I'm Bob Schneider. Welcome to the Song Club. I knew it was a bad idea to meet you here, my dear. Yeah, welcome to the Song Club, baby. Welcome to the Song Club. Welcome to the Song Club. Come inside this magic door. You will be inside the Song Club. <laughs> the words just me and you and nobody else. Because there's not a lot of people that want to come to the Song Club. Most people want to come to the NFL Club or the Kim Kardashian Club or all the other clubs or the Pootie Pie Club with 45 million subscribers on YouTube. But guess how many people want to come to the Song Club? Not many. Just you and me, maybe. Maybe not even that many. Maybe it's just me here alone in the Song Club. Uh, anyways, I know there's a couple f- few folk out there, but I don't know if they're listening, but I got to just pretend somebody's listening to this so I can do it. I'm living in a world of magical make-believe. Uh, I just went and saw uh, some friends of mine do stand-up comedy uh, a couple nights ago in San Antonio. And I'm used to seeing, like, I don't know, like the last comics I saw were, like, Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle and Brian Regan. Like, you know, pretty much... The guys that are considered the best of the best. Maybe some of the best all-time comedians of all time. And then uh, and then seeing my friend uh, who's just starting out do it, you realize, wow. I mean, he was good, and he was really funny. But, you know, it's like watching somebody who just started writing songs versus somebody like Paul Simon or somebody. Uh, I, not, yeah. I mean, he had a he had some jokes that were as good as that were Paul Simon quality jokes, but you know, it's it is a weird thing. It is a weird thing. It just made me realize comedy is no joke. Boom, TM. Uh, yeah, comedy's tough. Um, it's one thing if you're like a singer songwriter or you know you're giving a You know, you're talking about the iPhone 11 or some bullshit. By the way, what the fuck is going on with Apple? Their shit is getting wonky. Ever since old Steve Jobs died. I feel like Steve Jobs was like the Fred Flintstone of that company. And uh, he was... Yabba dabba doing that motherfucker down the road with his big old fucking Steve Jobs feet. And then when he died, they're like, uh, nobody's feet are big enough to touch the road in that fucking rock Jeep or whatever they're driving around over there. And it's just been slowly coming to a fucking stop. And then... Rolling back down the hill from whence it came when Steve Jobs came and picked it up out of the shit. And they're like, oh, we're heading in back down into the shit. Let's grab a fucking eye pencil. Uh, Let's call it the iPad Pro. 
Anybody got some ideas? Pro. Put a pro at the end of it, bitch. Add a pencil. Didn't Steve Jobs say no pencil? Yeah, he said no pencil, bitch. But uh, you got any other ideas? Pro. Say pro at the end of it. Oh, those motherfuckers. Anyways, meanwhile, Google, who knows, man? Who knows what's going to happen with all this technology? Anyways, that ain't my business. I got my side of the street, which is writing some songs, and that's why we're here. Not to hear me complain or talk about Apple or whine about how stand-up comedy or comedy in general is no joke. Hell no, I'm here to talk about the creative process. I'm here to talk about writing songs, particularly me writing songs that I wrote. By the way, if you want to design a class that's super easy for you to excel in, uh, design a class where you just talk about you doing shit that you do, and then you'll get all the answers right. A plus, A plus, A plus. It seems like it would be A pluses all the time, but I regularly get the C and D minus and occasionally the F plus as well on this podcast just because I tend to veer off into conjecture and outright lies sometimes. And mainly the accents are probably the part that that really get me in trouble because people are like, I don't even know what people are like, but. I'm assuming some people are like, why the accents, Bobby? Because I'm scared, motherfucker. I'm scared to be me. I did an art talk about a week ago. I know. Look at you guys. You guys are getting excited. Art talk. Boners for everybody. Everybody at the table, here's some boners. Uh, Yeah, art talk. (laughs) Is there anything more? Is there anything? Maybe poetry reading is the only thing worse I could even imagine uh, for somebody to mention to me. Oh, karaoke. So karaoke's number one. That's out forever. By the way, if you're ever like, hey, Bobby, we're going to go karaoke, and you want to go? The answer's no. First first of all, the answer's no. But I was going to try to... (laughs) I just, as soon as I started thinking about it, I just thought of me with a gun in my mouth, just with the trigger, you know, like where they, where the camera goes, zooms in on the, on the trigger part of the gun. So the gun's in my mouth and then the camera's zoomed in about as close as you can possibly get on my finger and the finger slowly heading towards the trigger town. And, uh, it, you know. Will the trigger be pulled? Hmm, I don't know. Cue the music. I don't know if that's the right music. I don't This music's real bad. My music sound effects, or I'm realizing right now, need some work. So yeah, karaoke, number one thing I won't ever do. Hey, and so the next one would be, hey, Bobby, I'm gonna re- I'm gonna read some poetry, or I'm going to see hear a friend read poetry. I'm be like, hmm. Again, cut to gun in mouth, uh, camera macro lens on trigger mechanism. Uh, 
And then third would be art talk. Uh, yeah. So anyway, so I did this art talk with this lady who's a very f- successful artist. And she does collage kind of like I do. And I was like, I mean, I did not want to do it. But here's what I try to do when people ask me to do stuff that seems scary to me. I just do it because it's good for me to do scary things that actually the worst thing that could happen is just be humiliated, really. I mean, I'm not going to get hurt in any way. It's not like, you know, it's not like skiing down a crevasse or uh, hiking across the fucking Antarctica or, you know, doing spelunking or fucking cave swimming, you know, where you like swim through a tunnel under the water uh, and hope that there's an air hole on on the end of your swim. It's nothing like that. I mean, I wouldn't do any of that. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let me refresh. Let me refresh my list of things I won't be doing. All of that stuff I just mentioned goes before karaoke. Anything dangerous at all. I mean, yeah, anything where people have died in the last 2,000 years, I'm not going to do any of that. So that's first. So uh, anyway, so I was asked to do this art talk. And, uh, anyways, uh, I get, anytime I get in front of an audience, I'm like, well, I guess I got to try to make people laugh. And, uh, so I did, I did, you know, I did a couple jokes at the end of it. I will say the lady that I was doing the talk with who was amazing. She was great. She just talked about her art. She was very, you know, straightforward about it. Talked about what went into the creative process, what her, what her, you know, feelings were, how she worked. I mean, it was very informative. Like people that listened to her talk at the end of it were like, "Oh, I know how she works. I get her process. I understand her art more." It enriched their experience and their appreciation of her art. Me, on the other hand, I just was making dick jokes the entire time. And at the end of it, that lady was like, why all the dick shit? <laughs> What's up with the dicks and the poop? I did talk about poop, too. Uh, I was like, I don't know, because I'm a dude. I think that stuff's funny. Anyways, at the end of it, I don't think anybody came any closer to understanding why I do what I do. And why do I do what I do? Why do I do what I do? Do, 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 do. Poop, poop, pee, pee. Dick, 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 cock, cock, dick, doo-doo. I do what I do because I don't have any love for myself at all. So I have this need, this necessity to create things so that by creating things, I'll be like, hey, see, I'm okay. I'm okay. See, I can breathe. I get to breathe, right? Can I breathe? air and be on the planet because I made this stuff. Look, I made this, so I must I'm, I must be okay, right? Right? I'm okay, right? Right? I'm okay, right? Right? Uh, nope. You're not okay. I mean, but I mean, here's some more stuff I made. Uh, no, we don't care. No, but here's more made more stuff. We don't care. I mean, here's more stuff. We don't care. Fuck you there, motherfucker! Fuck all you motherfuckers! If I am, if I am, motherfucker. Here's some more stuff. No, we don't care. 
No, we don't care. No. No. All right. God damn it. Here's some more stuff? No. No, but there's a few people, a few people that appreciate it. You, if you're still listening, if you're still listening after that, then you probably appreciate what I do. So thanks. By the way, thanks, everybody. I haven't thanked everybody. If you're on my Patreon and uh, you're part of my Patreon song club, thank you so much for supporting what I do. I appreciate it. It helps. It helps me record these records, these studio records that I make. That's what I use the money for. I don't use it for titty bars or buying my kids clothes or food. They're on their own. I assume that by the time, you know, my kid's talking, she should be able to earn a living being, you know, like a cute kid, kind of like the Jacksons. That's my motto. I'm like, as soon as they're old enough to make sound, they should be able to support themselves and me and uh, my lavish lifestyle. So I don't use your money for that. I use your money to pay musicians and recording engineers and mixers to turn what I do, which is cool, which I like, which uh, which is what these demos are, into beautiful, polished pieces of music magic. Uh, and... On this podcast, as I have been doing for the last two podcasts, I am going to include uh, in this month's song grab bag another song from my new record, Blood and Bones. Uh, and uh, let's just listen to that right off the bat. No, let's not. I don't want to listen to that right off the bat. Let's do that last because it just sounds so good. It sounds so good. I don't want to like spoil the other songs that I recorded on my own, but, you know, by showing you that one, they'll, it'll, they'll just not stack up, I don't think. So let's start with, uh, let's, let's get into the songs, because that's what I'm here to do, I guess, supposedly. So let's start with a new one. Uh, this is a brand new song I just wrote, uh, you know, since the last podcast, and it's called Star Beams. Let's listen to a little bit of it. I work 
and star beams now I made the summer enemy I work in star beams now This is a submarine Ain't no game show I'm in the black part Baby, don't go Kills for the drills, yo I'm like a yo-yo Up in the air, one minute In the dark, the next sun So tell me, what do you Expect from me? Nothing in the gadget World for free At the Walgreens with my back star beams now i don't even know what that means but i every once in a while i'll write something i'm like well i like the way that sounds and it kind of sounds like starbucks a little bit so you know you never know maybe starbucks will be like hey we like this song let's change that to starbucks and here's some cash i like cash give me cash i like cash uh, the beginning of that song's me just playing piano. I used to, uh, I was actually, I, at one point I was going to college because my parents impressed upon me at an early age that it was important to go to college. And uh, this is what I learned about college. It's a great place to party. It's a great place to party. Not a great place to uh, go to school in the morning. So I didn't go to school very much. I just took my parents' money and flushed it down my toilet. And uh, I went to school for two years in uh, in Munich, Germany, at a place called the University of Maryland. They had like a little uh, campus there that had about 2,000 students, and it was all for military personnel and their dependents or ambassadors, anybody that had anything to do with the United States. So ambassadors and people like that, their kids and it was mostly like officers' kids and stuff like that, but there were some enlisted kids too and stuff. But it was a lot of fun because nobody knew anybody, everybody that went there. Uh, and you know, you might know one or two people from your high school or something that you went to, uh, but mostly it was just new people that were all 18, 19, 20 years old and uh, basically in one of the greatest cities in the world, Munich, Germany, where there's no drinking age. And uh, they make some of the best beer in the world. <clears throat> so it was a lot of fun, a lot of drinking, a lot of partying, not a lot of going to school. But I was going to school to study art. That was I was an art major. But there wasn't a lot of art classes there. I took everything that they offered. And I eventually ended up doing, uh, they had murals, uh, not murals, but these big uh, paintings that that we uh, hung throughout the on the walls of the school 
and uh, I did a mural, and it was of a clown uh, holding a gun to uh, his head, uh, and you know, pulling the trigger, uh, or about to pull the trigger, and just laughing maniacally, and. I got the picture for the clown uh, from a friend of mine who was going to school there uh, who, uh, like, at Halloween was, was dressed up like a clown. So I took a picture of him with a maniacal grin on his face and used that as my source material for this big mural. Anyways, it turns out, so after I, I did the mural and hung it up in the school, I was walking to school the next day and I ran into the guy and he was white as a ghost. And he's like, dude, I saw that mural. And I'm like, yeah, what'd you think? And he's like, uh, well, I'm not happy about it. I'm like, what's wrong? And he's like, my brother, who looks very similar to me, killed himself by shooting himself in the head. Anyways, we took the mural down uh, that day and it got chucked in the trash, ne'er to be seen again. Uh, I got a picture of it somewhere. But uh, how weird is that, that I just did this random picture of this guy shooting himself and then turns out his brother did that so it's weird maybe i'm like nostradamus man you know like where i can see the future and stuff yeah man my that's right you like nostradamus man yeah man i like nostradamus you know that nostradamus well, I say, he said uh, Kennedy, uh, Kennedy, and something else. Kennedy and uh, Abraham Lincoln. It's a lot of coincidence. And uh, Abraham Lincoln and uh, Kennedy in both 1972, they got the same thing. It's a part of prayer. That's why Nostradamus. Uh, uh, anyways, <laughs> what? Good God. All right, let's get back to these damn songs here. So that was a new one. Let's do another new one. So this is called Girls vs. Monsters. Been a lot of shit in the news lately. About basically stuff that's been going on since the beginning of the world. Gross, fat, ugly fuckers trying to get laid. And when they can't get laid, being real fucking gross. So... I guess that's what this song's about. Girls versus monsters. Girls versus monsters. Underwater swimmers. Fooling up above. But baby, what's for dinner? Suit hanging from a tree branch, man. Wolves in the water, more in the lane. Girls versus monsters. 
city Light a little cigarette Looking so pretty Snake in a boat, baby, nowhere to run Just a gasoline grinner with a loaded gun versus monsters yeah now that i got a daughter definitely think about that kind of shit all the time but i will say this uh my wife is a badass and uh she's basically grooming my daughter to be some kind of just straight up take no shit from nobody uh badass herself so she's my daughter's going to badass school so i'm really not concerned about her um having any problems with anybody um as she gets older uh i'm more concerned with the problems i'm gonna be having as she gets older (laughs) instead of the problems she might be having i know that sounds pretty selfish but it's pretty much the truth uh maybe if i was a younger man and i knew less about the world i'd be more concerned uh with her uh, I mean, obviously, I'm concerned about her nar- now because she's two. So I, I am, you know, making sure she's taken care of. But when, when she gets out there in the real world, I have no doubt she'll be able to uh, fend for herself. I, I, I pity the fool who uh, who tries to uh, do some stupid shit to my daughter uh, because they will end up getting fucked up pretty hardcore. So that's the way I'm hoping that it'll work out. Uh, and I feel like that's the way girls should be raised to not take any shit from anybody, especially men. Uh, because, uh, dudes are gross. Dudes are, all they want to do is fucking kill. And I know like people, uh, that's not true, Bob. We're, li- we, we're, we've evolved. No, we haven't. We haven't evolved shit. We're killing fucking machines. So whatever we're attracted to, we want to fuck. And anything that stands in the way of that, we want to kill. And that's the bottom line. Now, we live in a society where we've set up some rules, you know, so it's not anarchy. And they've been set up by people who, you know, obviously are not MMA fighters. Uh, Because if everybody was an MMA fighter, they'd be like, well, fuck it. We'll just fight for everything. But, I mean, that's a lot of work having to kill everybody and rape everybody. So we, we have these new, you know, we have, we have these uh, rules set up, which is treat everybody with respect and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, laws and the police and all that stuff. But really at the heart of it, we're just these beasts. So yeah, dudes are horrible. They're gross. They don't have to act that way, but we are that. I'm a monster. But I don't act like a monster because, I don't know, I have a conscience, I'm I'm thoughtful, I'm smart, I think of other people. And I think, oh, this would make somebody 
this would upset someone the way it upset me when I was young and helpless. So most people, as they grow up and mature, they, you know, they uh, figure it out. But I mean, even the smartest people in the world can tell themselves all kinds of crazy stories that just don't make sense later on. But in the heat of things, when you're fucking got a boner, you think, uh, yeah, she wants it. She wants it. She wants to see my penis right now. It's a thing, you know, uh, the, the, it's, it's, it's a turn on. Uh, no, it's not. I mean, it might be, it might be for some folks, but probably not for everybody. You're going to definitely run across some people who it's not a turn on for. Here's the one thing I don't see in the news. Uh, there's not a lot of Ryan Gosling's, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I mean, those, I don't see those guys doing anything too monstrous, actually. They seem like good guys to me. But um, who, uh, Jared Leto, probably a straight up fucking monster of a person. Probably doing all kinds of heinous, horrible fucking shit to women every day, all day, for years and years. But guess what you don't see in the news? Uh, women saying, oh, Jared Leto was fucking masturbating in front of me because they'd be like, eh, I'll watch that for a little bit. Because uh, it's Jared fucking Leto, but you get some fucking monstrous, <laughs> some fucking ugly fat fucker. They're like, mm, I felt bad. Yeah, you felt bad. <laughs> Here's, if you're a dude, it's because there is that thing that dudes do. I, I know I have done it. Uh, I didn't do it with Harvey Weinstein because I don't know that guy and he just seems like a real piece of shit. But, you know, when Louis C.K. came into the news, I was like, well, I love Louis and he seems real smart and he's got daughters and shit. So, uh, but it doesn't sound like that stuff happened uh, yesterday. It sounded like it happened years ago, maybe before he had daughters, maybe f before he figured shit out. Who knows? I don't know. But there is the part of me that says, well, come on. I mean, it wasn't that big of a deal. But if you just put yourself in those women's shoes uh, and you go, yeah, if a dude that I liked came into the room and was like, hey, you want to see me masturbate? I'd be like, uh, no, I don't. And then they pulled their dick out and started masturbating in front of you. You'd be like, God damn it. This is not good. Even thinking about it, actually. Even just having the mind video of somebody masturbating, which I have now. I have the mind video. That's why I'm pissed. I'm not pissed necessarily that that happened. You know, I think, you know, it is not cool, shitty. Uh, shouldn't have happened. But the thing that really upsets me is the fact that now I have mind video of Louis C.K. Uh, masturbating in front of those women. And I, I know he's talked about masturbating a lot in his act and stuff. Uh, but that felt like, oh, that's made up. So it's, it's, it's all made up. And uh, I, so it's not permanent mind video, but I feel like... Once these allegations happen, now I have permanent mind video. And believe me, I, I, I see it. Uh, 
I can see what his belly looks like. I can see what his titties look like. I can see the sperm. I know what his cock and balls look like. And none of it's attractive. None of it. And it's in my brain. And I, it's there forever. So I feel like I've been slightly traumatized. Am I going to get am I going to get my comeuppance? <laughs> Probably not. People are just going to be like, uh, what is wrong with you? I'm like, uh, I'm a dude. And dudes are like I said, they're awful. They're awful dudes. And again, not everybody acts that way, but everybody is that. So I see why people do it. I'm not saying it's right. It's wrong. And most people, I think, learn that it's wrong pretty quickly and then don't do that or don't ever do it. But usually, you know, high school, college, early adulthood, depending on when you get a chance to do something stupid and gross, you figure it out pretty quickly. Oh, this is horrible and gross. I'm not going to do this anymore. And that probably... I'm I'm hoping that's probably what happened with Louis C.K., but I don't know. Because sometimes people don't change. Sometimes people just keep doing the same thing over and over because it comforts them. It makes them feel in control and, and, and uh, helps them cope. And I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like to be somebody who's constantly, you know, uh, constantly irritated by everything in the world, you know, which is what com- comics are comedians. Uh, they're just irritated by everything. And because they're irritated, they're able to report back on those irritations. And it's funny and it makes us laugh. And we get a lot, we get a lot from those guys. But, and then when they turn out to be like, you know, when they turn out to be like crazy or insane or do insane shit, uh, or, or fucked up shit, then we're like, wait a minute. It's not surprising to me. I'm like, yeah, these people are, you know, they're not normal people. Normal people don't have the kind of anxiety and fear and stuff that these guys have that they got to deal with somehow, you know. Some guys, you know, some they're going to do something. Guys are going to do something, you know, <clears throat> if you're built that way. You're going to, uh, you're going to collect, you know, a billion dollars worth of cars like Jay Leno, uh, or you're going to be like me where you can't, you know, you're writing songs, you write thousands of songs or you, uh, can't stop making art or playing candy crush or whatever. You're going to do something because you can't deal with your head. It's too much. So anyways, I don't even know what all that was about. That was just me telling you stupid shit. So anyways, uh, let's get uh, let's get back to another song. I feel like I'm definitely re- there's a boredom threshold which I've for sure surpassed on this podcast. All right, uh, so on that note, on the guys are gross, but there's a reason for it. Note, let me play a song that I just wrote for my little sweet daughter. And uh, it's it's a pretty sappy little song, but uh, I just wrote it, so I'll just include it on this song club. And uh, uh, it is what it is, just me playing guitar and, and singing it. Uh, I, actually, the guitar that I play on this is a uh, it's a tenor guitar. It only has four strings. Uh, it's kind of it's strung the same way a mandolin is, which is 
it's kind of like an upside down guitar. Uh, the top four strings of a guitar strung upside down, if that makes any sense. So if you ever pick up a, a mandolin or a tenor guitar and you want to play it right out of the box, you just got to think, well, what would I play if I was going to be playing a guitar upside down? And then you just can play that and, and you can play it right away. So here it is. This is a pretty princess. She's a tiger too. say i have uh i have some pretty tender feet uh some people walk around all day with no shoes on like my daughter and her feet are like hooves she's like a, like the bottom of her feet are as are, are as thick as the cloves of a goat but mine are as thin and as as uh, malleable as as um oh i don't know like a piece of wet tissue paper like i'm very very sensitive feet, and uh, so I I, I wear uh, I wear Crocs all the time, uh, and uh, I love it. I love Crocs. Thank you, Australia, for creating such a comfortable shoe. I don't wear the uh, I don't wear the gardening Crocs. You know the originals. I wear the uh, they look kind of like moccasins. So I, I you know I, I like to pretend that. Uh, then they're, they're 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 not Crocs. That they're some kind of like I'm some kind of a hippie, new age guy, like a guru type dude. You know, I got my shit together. I'm wearing my moccasins and uh, making the planet better and uh, working for a better day. Even though I'm not doing anything at all, just writing songs, being a, you know, being a parent some some of the time and. Uh, and you know, making some art and then playing shows and, and trying not to be too horrible uh, all the time. So, yeah, anyways, uh, 
that was uh, that was pretty princess. I I will say this. I I I my son's twelve, and I, I made it all the way to twelve without writing too many songs that were super sappy. Uh, but I don't know with a daughter. I don't think that's gonna happen. I, I have a feeling the sappy songs are gonna keep coming, just because it's a different thing uh, with a girl. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's all good. I mean, kids, kids will just open up your heart in a way that's just unexpected and amazing. So as all people with children know, and all people with children that don't have children can't know. So, uh, I mean, I'm just going to keep going because I don't want to get too caught. I feel like I've already uh, done a lot of rambling. So let me, let me, uh, do another song. This is a song called Murderer. I wrote this maybe a year ago and I did it with a, a friend of mine, John Cusimano, who's been in the song game for years and years. I probably have, I know I have hundreds and hundreds of songs that he's written. And he's one of the guys in the song game that just, no matter what, always turns in a song. And it, it, I, I'm so, uh, it's very inspiring. Uh, because not not everybody does it. There's a couple people that do it. Uh, Jason Mraz, he always writes a song. He's very good about it. Um, there's there's a couple other people, but most people tend to fall off after a bit, or they'll miss a week here, miss a week there, and it starts adding up. But John Cusimano writes, you know, 52 songs a year, uh, and I, or you know, unless I skip a week. But I bet you he's over the last seven or eight years, however long he's been doing, he's probably written, he's probably averaged 45 songs a year. That's a lot of songs. Yeah, it's 400 songs, 500 songs. Uh, so anyways, he was over at the house one day and, uh, and we wrote this. He, uh, he was playing drums and I was playing the stand-up bass and, uh, and just started making up this song and uh, it turned out pretty cool. And then I went back and added some stuff. I added some guitars and some stuff like that. But uh, here it is. It's called Murderer. Watch out, she's coming down the street. Straight cocaine looking so strange in the murderer. Some hot licks on that guitar, boy. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I don't know how I actually 
I don't know how I actually ended up recording that demo because I know that we recorded uh, we recorded the drums and the bass and me singing at one time, uh, but then obviously I didn't make up all those lyrics just like that on the spot. I had to, you know, after the after we kind of had written the song together, then I went back and then you know sat down and write, wrote all the words, and then had to go back and and re-sing those. Uh, so I don't know how I did that. I, maybe I just took the vocal track off somehow, or just maybe just used the drum track and then added the re-recorded the bass and guitar and vocal and just used the drum track. So there might be some ghosting even in the drum track of the original uh, recording. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember anything, but uh, it is weird. It is strange. I mean, it's something I do. I write these songs, I sit down and I write them, and and, uh, I don't, I don't know what people think, but I don't wait for inspiration, I don't wait, sit around and go, oh, I hope I get an idea for a song, I just sit down and make myself write a song, I don't know what the song's going to be about, Uh, it normally doesn't have anything to do with anything uh, concrete that's going on, Uh, the, the people in the songs, the narrators, uh, the guy or girl singing the song and what happens in the song, that's always pretty much made up. Sometimes I use little bits and pieces of my life or other people's lives or things I've heard, but most of the time that's all made up. And then what comes through in the end, hopefully, is kind of the way I'm feeling. So if I'm in a good mood, that usually comes through uh, in the song. Uh, the emotional part of the song usually relates to what I'm feeling like in at the time that I'm writing the song. So if I'm heartbroken or if I'm in love or if I'm angry or if I'm having a good day, that usually comes through uh, in the song. But the actual events, you know, the things that happen in the song, that's all made up. And uh I mean, I think that's kind of cool. It's weird, though, because I'm like, where I'm the same. I'm like, I don't know where this stuff comes from. It obviously comes from the millions and billions of little bits of information that I pick up every day uh, that I'm not even aware of. Um, And it comes from, uh, you know, my entire life watching movies and seeing life unfold. And it all goes in there and it's all there. And then. Somehow I take little bits of that and, you know, put it back together. Kind of like a collage, I guess. I guess the the song making is sort of like the collage art, uh, where I take little bits and pieces of this and that, and then it becomes this other thing, this song. Uh, but it is a very mysterious process. It's not like, I don't think it's something that you get better at. I don't think you get better at writing songs as you get older you get better at playing music you can play your guitar better and drums and keyboards you can get really good at that and continue to get better as you get older you can kind of know what works and doesn't work on stage performing and stuff but the actual creative process itself is kind of the same it's the same the first day you write a song and the last day you write a song the the problem as you get older, and I think the problem that people have as they get older uh, when it comes to writing songs, because you know what I'm talking about, guys like Paul McCartney, you know, obviously when he was in his 
teens and 20s and even 30s was writing these incredible songs. And then in his 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, the songs kind of got worse and worse. I mean, every once in a while he'd write something good, but I mean, lately they've been pretty bad. Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do, there's a couple reasons I think that happens. One, I think when you become as successful as, say, Paul McCartney, uh, and you have reached the highest level that anybody's ever going to reach as a songwriter, you realize, or he realized, uh, at that point he was like, this is not going to make me happy. Writing songs, becoming the most famous musician of all time does not make you happy. It's not the answer. And when you realize that, then you lose a lot of your drive for, for writing songs. And it goes away. And if you don't reach that level, uh, if you don't become that successful, then you still have that drive. So I've never reached a level of success that I feel um, I've wanted to reach. I, I, and so that part of my uh, motivation is there, intact, completely. Uh, so every week when I sit down, I'm still trying to prove to the world that I'm a great songwriter, that I'm really good at this. And then, uh, and so it really makes me try to do my best every week, week in and week out. And I force myself to write at least 50 songs a year. And so because of that process, I end up writing a few good songs every year and, and continue to do it. But I don't think guys like Paul McCartney or Sting or... Maybe Sting, because he seems like a weird monster. There's a few people, I will say there are a few people that are, that can, you know, are motivated and continue to write uh, incredible material late into their life. You can always do it. It's something you can do your entire life. But it takes a lot of energy and it takes uh, determination and tenacity and all these things. And like I said, at a certain point, I think you realize this is not the thing that's going to save me. So when you, when it's not the thing that's going to save you, then you don't necessarily put, you're not putting in the energy that it takes to get the world record. You know, you're, you're doing okay. You're, you're clocking to maybe a six or seven minute mile, but you're not trying to break the record. Uh, but some people are, and I am, I'm still trying to break the record uh, at 52 uh, years of age. And, you know, maybe that'll stop eventually. Maybe I'll, I'll not have that drive and motivation. Uh, and then I'll write less and, and I'll produce less and who knows, but I doubt it because, um, I just, I feel like I have a lot to prove. So, uh, anyways, that's just me again, being boring and rambling. Uh, let me play one more, uh, let me play one more, uh, super new song. This one I just wrote, uh, at a sound check, uh, with Clint Wells actually, uh, a couple weeks ago when we were on the road. And, uh, sometimes that'll happen when, uh, when we're at a sound check, I'll just start jamming and occasionally we'll write a song that way. And, uh, on this latest tour, we were doing this thing where we were going, well, Clint was doing it. He just started saying, he write. 
uh, which we thought I thought was really funny. So I just made him say he write a lot, and I was trying to do it on stage where I like go into one of my rants where I'd be like, "Yeah, we're so glad to be here because this place rocks." He write, and then he just kept saying, "He write, he write, he write, he write." So uh, that's where this song came from. He write, yeah, he write. sing the songs in a high falsetto that bordered on divinity sing about how the birds that flew through the sky would fall to the ground around his feet then they would set fire to the cities of their enemies and leave nothing behind but pain and misery in their passing the steam rising up through the night the cold air a constant companion their hearts full of fear and wonder but holding a conviction not unlike a wild beast in a small wooden cage. A knowledge that eventually all would be forgiven because Supposedly, we're gonna start doing a podcast called "I'm Okay, You're Okay." I'm not. I'm not okay. You're not okay. That's with Clint. Clint Wells came up with that title, uh, which I find very hilarious. And uh, we've been talking about doing a podcast that will just be all kind of like a variety show podcast where we do all this stuff that we kind of do on the road when we're touring and stuff that we think is funny. Uh, or I think is funny. We just haven't gotten around to doing it. So maybe we'll do it sooner than later. And uh, if that's the case, I'll definitely maybe either preview it on this podcast or uh, at least let you guys know that that's happening. Because there's some funny stuff. I, I play with a bunch of guys that are pretty funny, way funnier than I am. Clint and Wayne Salsman's easily one of the funniest guys I know. And my old drummer, Conrad Chacroon's pretty funny and then of course we got Ollie Steck who's just a, kind of a weird 
genius uh, when it comes to comedy and improv and, and stuff. He's he's pretty incredible. So, I don't know, just putting together some of the stuff that we do could could be funny. Here's what I know for a fact, that whatever we would do, it would be way funnier than what's going on over at SNL. I don't know what happened. SNL, maybe whatever water they're drinking over at Apple. Maybe they're drinking that at SNL or something. Who knows? But they, those guys need a, I mean, if it wasn't for Kate McKinnon, that would just be nothing but a shit show over there. So anyways, uh, come on SNL, get it together. Get it together. He right. He right. I need to just have a he right. I need to get a he right from Clint, like four or five of them and use them in this podcast. Uh, just start sampling them, using them. Maybe that's what I need to do to liven up this podcast is use some samples. Now I'm starting to think. Now I'm starting to get it. Now I'm starting to make sense. Because I know some other people that use them uh, sound effects. And uh, man, I tell you, boy, them shows, them shows have got some entertainment value to them. I know about this guy. I know about this dude. Just rambling on about this and that and about being gay and everything. I don't know what his problem is. I do know this. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. I guess I should. I'm just going to not do that guy no more for the next five seconds. Uh, let me get to another song. So this is a song. This song used to be called God of Evil Blues, and then I changed it from God of Evil to Kid Evil. And uh, I wrote it a while ago. I wrote it a couple years ago, maybe five, six years ago. Who knows? It was it was a while ago. It was just like a blues song. And originally it was like, here comes the God of Evil. And, uh, and then I changed it to Kid Evil because... It just, I don't know, it sounded cooler maybe and it could be, sounded more like West Side Story to me. And then I I just recently, uh, in the last week or two, rewrote all the lyrics. And now I, I, I've been playing it a lot because I, I like the rewritten lyrics. And this is a new demo that I just recorded basically to send the band so they could learn the song uh, last week. So it's an old song, but it's a new demo. The demo's not that great, but I do like this song, and uh, I, I, if you like it, I would recommend going to bobschneider.com, going to the Frunk section, and uh, looking through the Frunk. And Frunk is our live shows that we record, and we re I record all my shows uh, and make them available online uh, under the Frunk thing at my website. But there's some really good versions of this, uh, both solo and with the band. Uh, but, you know, whatever. This is the demo. It's called uh, Kid Evil. Yeah. Woo. All right. You come down, oh, Kid Evil. It's a brand new shiny car. Yeah. Shining car, yeah. Uh huh. Got two girls in the back smoking marijuana cigar. Uh. Go, daddy. Go, 
Medieval blues, actually. Uh, I'm always uh, I, I really like my guitar playing on that. If I don't say so myself, uh, I don't never thought of myself as a guitar player. I ne- I don't really even think of myself as a musician. In that, I'm not very good really at any of the instruments that I play. I'm a, bit, I'm a very rudimentary player. I don't have a, a knowledgeable. I mean, I know how to play chords on the guitar, and I know the what the notes are on a piano, and I know a few terms, but really, it's all very basic information. Uh, and my ability to play is very like I can't hear something in my head and then just play it on guitar or play it on keyboards. I think it. I I think that's a really helpful thing when it comes to songwriting because if I'm tr- if I'm if I've heard something. Or if I'm trying to emulate a song that I've heard, or if I have an idea in my head, lots of times the ideas that you have in your head are just something that you heard already. Uh, And so people that are really good, that can play anything, I think have the hardest time actually writing songs because just any idea that they hear, they can just play it. And, And when I try to play something that's in my head, it comes out way, way wrong. And when it comes out wrong, sometimes the that mistake is really uh, the thing that makes it unique or makes it different. And so, and I mean, I'll even do things where I'm like, oh, no, the song I just wrote, that's this other song. And then I'll play it for somebody I'm like, that's not even close, dude. Uh, that's not that song. That's... Uh, that's, I don't know what you're thinking. So even like that last song, which obviously is just a straight up standard blues song. There's a million songs that were written uh, like that, you know, in the 40s and 50s and every decade since by, you know, the the original songs like that were written in the 30s, 40s and 50s. And then, of course, they were copied and people just trying to recreate it. But I, I get it. I mean, obviously, that's that that's what it is. It's. It's a genre song, but, uh, but yeah, when I'm trying to write something, uh, something, you know, like a, I don't like a real song. I mean, that was a real song. It's just, it's definitely, you know, obviously it sounds like a lot of songs. Uh, so trying to write a more unique song, uh, that not being able to play, I think comes in handy in that regard. 
So uh, what else? Uh, so I got uh, I got one more uh, one more demo before the uh, the Blood and Bones uh, album track uh, that's coming up. So uh, one of my closest friends in my life uh, is a guy Adam Temple, and I met him back in oh in the nineties, early nineties, maybe ninety one, and uh, the the story. Uh, that I tell myself about how I met him was I ended up at this girl's house, spent the night, and the next morning when I woke up, uh, and it's a long story actually, I should write a memoir, uh, there's some real gross details uh, that I'm not going to talk about in this story, but I ended up in the kitchen at this house, and it was a house where a bunch of girls lived, uh, two or three girls, and her roommate was dating this guy, Adam Temple. And, uh, and I met her and the, she, she was looking out of the kitchen window onto the front port, onto the front lawn. And, uh, she's like, ah, that's my boyfriend out there, Adam. And I look out there and there's this guy out there on a, on one of those banana seat bikes, uh, that you ride around when you're a kid. And, uh, he was probably 25 at the time ish. Somewhere around there, 24, 25, uh, maybe a little younger, but somewhere around there. I was the same age. We're the same age. And he's out there just popping wheelies on the lawn at about 9 o'clock in the morning, drunk, which he usually was, and uh, just being a goof. And so I met him that day, and and we just became fast friends. I, I didn't I – stop, I never – I might have dated that girl once or twice more after that, but but me and him became buddies, and we would just hang out every day uh, at my house. I lived at this place called the House Norbit at the time, which was just right behind the Magnolia Cafe on South Congress. And this place was like, I never knew how many people were living there. It was anywhere between 8 and 12 or 15 people. It was... Uh, the House Norbit was this white Rastafarian reggae band. And so there were hippies and smoked pot. And and uh, there's just, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dirty dishes in the sink. And there was no air conditioning in the house. So everybody had to kind of fend for themselves. I didn't have an air conditioner in my room. I just had a fan. So uh, it was pretty horrifying. I don't know if anybody's ever not had air conditioning in Austin during the summer, but man, it's rough. But we were pretty stoned or drunk most of the time, uh, living in that house. So it didn't really matter. And, uh, so me and him would just, me and, uh, Adam, uh, basically I didn't, I, I had a job. I had a job maybe when I first met him, but within a few weeks after meeting him, I got fired and I was playing a, a gig at the time down on 6th Street at, at a club called the Black Cat, which is now since burned to the ground and no longer exists. But at the time I was playing a weekly residency with a band called Joe Rockhead. And we had just started making enough money there to where I just, I've never worked since. Uh, that was in 91. So it's been... 26 years now that I've been just playing music and, and just making a living doing it. But my rent at this place was a hundred bucks a month and I only paid rent the first month. And after that, I would just make uh, posters uh, for the band for uh, House Norbit. 
And they'd have me make one or two posters a month and that would cover my rent. But most of the time I just hung out. So I, I didn't have a job. So I would just hang out. We'd go down to the 7-Eleven, which was about a, two blocks away. And we'd buy like a 12 pack of Milwaukee's Best or some whatever cheap beer was on sale. And we'd just sit on the porch and smoke cigarettes and drink Milwaukee's Best all day. And just crack each other up and, and make each other laugh and stuff. And that went on for for a couple years, really. And uh, and then in 95, uh, we started a band called The Scabs. And uh, and then that same year is the year that I, I uh, eventually had to stop drinking and uh, doing anything. I got sober uh, in 95 uh, after going to rehab. Uh, and that's a whole another story as well. And uh, kind of after that happened in 95 uh, is when the scabs really got going. And uh, from 95 to about 99, that, that band became one of the biggest bands in Austin. And, uh, and we, had a lot of, we had a lot of fun playing in that band. But, I, but we kind of, after I got sober, I kind of was on one path and, and Adam was kind of on another path. And, I, and he's still here in Austin uh, but but our past pretty much you know we 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 went in separate directions and uh, and, and I still keep in touch with them but uh, but we're no we're not very close unfortunately and but occasionally I'll get I'll, I'll get uh, I'll get uh, you know voicemails from him he he'll, or text messages throughout the night he's still partying I I don't know how he is able to do it how he's able to keep up that lifestyle is kind of like a Bukowski type character where he just can keep, you know, doing what he's doing. I couldn't even imagine it because I quit when I was 29. And, and even then I, I just didn't have the constitution for it. I was in, in a lot of pain uh, just from the hangovers and stuff. So anyway, so this next song is called The Last Word the Dragon Said. And uh, it did come out of the song game. And I don't know what the phrase was for that week, but I, I had this message that I'd gotten from from Adam on my machine. And uh, that's this is him talking at the beginning of this message. Well, I guess my number one complaint is that your personality is total bullshit. And fucking, you don't have any uh, empathetic feelings for us young black men. I guess but this, it just, it seems like it just, like your whole shit is bullshit, but everybody loved it, so fuck me, yeah. Oh fucking yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah I just feel like all this shit. The dragons have expired. The mother's milk universal fridge has expired. Last turn, the sack of bed, bit bone shed was tired in the world of flames. We all dance little Down from heaven, we crashed. Rolling straight seven, we smashed. Black was the city then. Hacked by the ghetto man. An ember burning the flesh all twisted. Bent over the rail of justice, lean straight double fisted. Destroying all the bones in the dust. 
The crowd, all the space suit, wearing hotties with the bust. Nobody hears you screaming in the dream, son. What you're seeing ain't a star, more like a star beam. Under the weight of the thunder, skulls glowing in the rain. Diamonds in the hands of children, my favorite coat who moves the crane. Dreamers lying under the tunnel tracks. Pass out in the alleys on their back. <laughs> I can't tell you how many, how many of those uh, messages I've gotten over the years. Uh, they uh, really, they put a smile on my face. I love, I love, love, love Adam, and I kind of admire him for, uh, you know, trudging it, trudging down that same path. I couldn't do it. I just don't have the the endurance or the constitution to uh to do that kind of partying uh, to live that kind of rock and roll sort of lifestyle i guess anyways god bless him god bless us all uh so yeah those are all the demos for this week i got a new record coming out called blood and bones uh i just recorded it uh uh, half a year ago now. I mean, it's 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 starting to, you know, time will pass. Uh, normally, I would have put it out by now, but uh, we, you know, I don't know. There's some logic to not putting it out right before Christmas for some fucking reason. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. Just talking about it now is upsetting, to say the least. I feel like it should be out. It's a great record. I'm really proud of it. There's 16 songs uh, in the record. Um, the guys that played on it, Conrad Chacroon played drums. J.J. Johnson played drums on a track or two. Uh, Dave Monsey played bass. Uh, Billy Harvey was amazing on guitar and vocals. And uh, David Boyle uh, played keyboards. Basically, all the guys that played on... Uh, Unlovely Creatures and Lonely Land and, you know, Perfect Day all and all those records. And it was recorded by uh, Dwight Baker, who recorded Lovely Creatures and Perfect Day and I'm Good Now and King Kong. And, uh, and they're all mixed by Dave McNair, who's mixed all those records as well, and who's just amazing uh, and mastered by him. So I'm really happy with the way it turned out. This... Uh, the song that uh, that's coming out this week uh, is Hours and Days, which is a song I wrote. I guess it's about getting old and uh, and uh, about dying. I mean, they're all, at this point, they're all either about being in love or about death. Uh, maybe most songs are about that. And if they're not, they're kind of should be, I guess, maybe. But that seems to be the only thing I'm really concerned about is just love and death and relationships, my relationships with, you know, my family and my friends in the world. And uh, so I guess that's what this song's about. So this is the demo that I did originally when I wrote the song. And I, li I like the demo a lot. I think it's pretty weird sounding. And, uh, and... So let's listen to a little bit of that, and then I'll play you the uh, the actual uh, version that we recorded in the studio. Mm -hmm. 
be hours and days stack up in the mirror And it's been so long since your favorite year And you're riding off into the night And you're climbing the wall of your life and trying with all your might to hold on and the cops are trying to pull you over But you're not pulling over And the plane is taking off with the door wide open So yeah, that's the uh, that's the demo that I recorded And I changed the lyrics around a little bit uh, And uh, just... And and the version that's on the record is more like I play it live now. Uh, I play it both solo and uh, I play it mostly solo, but occasionally with the band. And uh, and I'm really uh, again I'm really happy with the way it turned out. I think this record is is one of the you know I think it fits right in there with with the best stuff that I've done. Anyways, I want to thank you again for listening. Uh, thanks for subscribing to the podcast. Uh, if you haven't, please subscribe to the podcast and uh, rate it and say it's great, even if you don't like it. Say it's great. Why not? Just do it. Uh, and um, and uh, thanks uh, to my Patreon supporters. If you're not a member of Patreon, go to patreon.com backslash Bob Schneider and sign up today. You can decide. You can pay as little or as much as you want, uh, as long as a little is at least $5 a month. And uh, you will support me being able to record uh, songs like this hours and days, which will be on blood and bones coming up. Uh, I'll just play, uh, I'll play the song and play out the podcast with that and say once again, thanks everybody. And we'll see you next month on the song club. The hours and days stuck up in the mirror. And it's been so long since your favorite year. And you're riding off into the night And you're climbing The wall of your life And you're trying With all your might To hold on And the cops are trying to pull you over But you're not pulling over And the stewardess is giving you her number But the plane's taking off with the doors wide open 
and you're naked and it's raining and you're standing there holding a sword made of gold asking you if you've heard a word of what she's been saying and you turn to her and lie and you are dreaming Remember, to get this song and all the songs you've heard on today's podcast, go to www.patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, backslash Bob Schneider, and join my song club today. And I look forward to meeting up with you again soon here in the song club.